This is the sermon podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the first chapter. Jesus and his disciples went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with me, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying with a loud voice came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, What is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace to you you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Some of you may remember the late comedian Flip Wilson. He was famous for his character Geraldine, who kept saying, The devil made me do it. And his award-winning comedy record featuring, featuring Geraldine was entitled, The Devil Made Me Buy This Dress. Now, the fact that this bit was so much fun and successful as a gag, I think perhaps reflects uh, the fact that modern culture doesn't take the idea of the devil all that seriously. And despite the fact that Satan battles over Job in the Old Testament and the New Testament refers to the devil or Satan in ways that suggest a real being, a significant segment of the Western church today sees the devil as a mythical figure. The same goes for references to demon possession and unclean spirits in today's gospel reading, for example. And many today would see such possibilities as, or possessions as psychological disorders or something something medically diagnosed as a seizure. However, whether or not one believes that the devil or evil or unclean spirits are real entities, the demonic is very definitely a real force in our lives and in our world. And therefore, Jesus' victory over Satan in the wilderness, which occurs earlier in Mark, and his victory over the unclean spirit in the synagogue in Capernaum is a matter of great importance in the epiphany of Jesus' identity as Messiah. His messianic authority shines through in his teaching and then is amplified and punctuated by his triumph over the unclean spirit, who of all things 
gives further witness to his identity by calling him the Holy One of God. Now, what then do we mean by the demonic? We could call it the force of evil at work in our lives and actions, and that would be right. But for now, I'll just refer to it as the demonic. We can start our exploration excuse me, in the Garden of Eden, the site of the story of humanity's fall into sin. We all know the story. The serpent beguiles Eve into eating the forbidden fruit. She then gives it to Adam to eat. The serpent's ploy is that if they eat the fruit, they can be like God. The text does not identify the snake as the devil or Satan, but the serpent is the agent of the demonic because what has happened is that Adam and Eve have yielded to the desire to be like God. They have stepped out of their dependent relationship on God that was their birthright of the creation. And the serpent was the agent of the demonic in this case because the demonic causes splits. In this case, a split between those humans and God. And Eve's response is telling, the serpent tricked me, she said. Forever after, like Flip Wilson, people have said, usually in jest, the devil made me do it. But this is serious. In the narrative of this ancient writer, this is the beginning of sin, separation from God. If you eat of it, you will die, was the warning given. Separation from God is separation from life. And with separation from God comes separation from each other. The man and the woman are no longer at home in their nakedness. Something has come between them to make them protect themselves from exposing themselves to each other so they fashion clothing. And Adam is now going to blame Eve just like Eve blamed the serpent. And soon Cain and Abel, their offspring, will be divided against each other with fatal consequences. The demonic, the force of evil that flourishes among us causes splits, divisions. The primordial story of the Garden of Eden and the break with God captures the universal condition of humankind, alienation from the source of its own life, the demonic shows itself in all sorts of human interaction. And the demonic has been evident in the church. Wherever a given Christian community is so dogmatic in its teaching that it excludes all others who do not agree in every point, they are the true church, is the claim. Those others are not. And so the one faction claims absolute truth for itself when only God is absolute. Division causes, division ensues as a result. It's like the serpent told Adam and Eve, you can be like God, knowing everything. The demonic urges in the church can cause splits. And those splits cause great pain as people are vilified 
and families are broken apart. I've been there and I've seen it. I have spoken before about racism, sexism, classism, and other forms of discrimination, but they remain a force among us. They too reflect the reality of the demonic. Here we have a desire to denigrate the other in order to lift the status of one's own group. We may have our faults, folks say, but at least we're not like them, whoever them may be. Such purveyors of judgment virtually put themselves in the place of God. Jesus, on the other hand, was constantly hanging out with the thems of his world, tax collectors and prostitutes, a Samaritan woman, all to the consternation of those who felt superior in their religious knowledge and judgment. This inclusivity didn't work very well for Jesus in his world, and it still doesn't work out well all the time in our world either. Sometimes the divisiveness of the demonic is seen as much as spoken. While I was in college, my friend and I decided to drive south during our break until we found a warm enough place to play golf. Well, this was 1960, by the way. And as luck would have it, there was snow as far as southern Mississippi. <laughs> so we ended up having driven for almost 24 hours in New Orleans. My friend was too exhausted to play, but I was determined to set out anyway. So I went to the course, and as I was getting ready to play uh, with the guys who the starter was putting me with, I went to get a drink of water, and I saw there was a nice new electric water cooler just ahead. I got to it, and I saw the sign above it that said, White. Next to it was a primitive standpipe, which had a sign that said, black. I had been pretty passive about the emerging civil rights movement till that time. Shame flooded me as I took my drink of water. The stark demonic contrast of those two drinking fountains changed me forever, flawed though I still remain. The forces of evil we may call demonic, are at work in a variety of ways. Family members refuse to give ground or refuse to consider their own faults, and divisions occur with often sad or even tragic consequences. People become alienated from society and are led to strike out in acts of violence and sedition. Poverty separates people from the larger community. Poor nations with histories of oppression find themselves separated from the mainstream of our global society. Victims of exploitation by stronger nations are still being blamed for their own problems. Blaming the victim is a favorite of the demonic, a human tendency to arrogance placed itself so far above the creation that it believes the earth is there simply to exploit for human purposes. 
And once again, as Adam and Eve sought to be other than creatures, to be a law unto themselves, so the exploitation of creation is a step outside of the creation of which we are a part. The demonic, that force of evil at work within us is among us, operative wherever people or institutions, religious or otherwise, lift themselves above others. Certainly, there are truths that cannot be sacrificed and must be insisted upon. The martyrs of the faith remind us of that. But such truths are the truths that are given us by God's grace, the truths of divine love, not the divisive truths of our own boasting or devising. In the false story of Genesis 1, the serpent is cursed by God for complicity in the disobedience of Adam and Eve. This is a case, a note, a note of hope, a note of hope for God will not let the serpent, a symbol of evil, triumph. And that little taste of God's ultimate victory leads us on. The unclean spirit afflicting the man Jesus encountered in today's reading had split him off from the community of the faith as one unclean both ritually and morally. But Jesus' healing was a taste of his ultimate victory over the demonic. The removal of division between God and humanity and all that flows from it. So we turn to Paul in his second letter to the Corinthians. If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God who reconciled himself to us through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is in Christ. God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. The message of reconciliation in Christ. God's victory over the divisiveness of the demonic. It is God calling us back to the community we were created for with God and each other. The ministry of reconciliation is given to us as a promise and a trust we are called to share with the world. Thus, another layer of wrapping has come off our Christmas present, this epiphany. We've seen the gift of forgiveness, the promise of God's ultimate justice, and now now the restoration of community and unity with God and each other in the defeat of the demonic another dimension of God's great shalom, the peace of community over the enmity of division. And Paul calls us ambassadors of the message of reconciliation. And that is no mean feat in a world of deep, deep division. And the demonic is still very much alive and real, as we well aware of. And it's operative for as long as this world remains in thrall to its temptations. If the Christian community is to be a witness to God's reconciliation in Christ, it must be a community of reconciliation itself. The epistle to the Ephesians speaks directly to this. 
I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in all. Maintaining the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace as a community of reconciliation is the very goal of love, the reunification of the separated. During our church's tense and often conflicted study of human sexuality, A dozen years ago or so, this passage from Ephesians was constantly before us. I believe the Spirit worked through that word for the overwhelming majority of our people who stayed together in Christian love, even those who struggled and still struggle with change. It hardly needs saying that the forces of evil remain active in this world and will be until the arrival of God's future reign of total peace and life. We are not immune from the exposure to life's sorrows and sufferings. Just yesterday was Holocaust Memorial Day. But we are constantly assured of Christ's victory over the forces of evil and reminded and encouraged by those moments of reconciliation, moments of restored community, moments of kindness that do come along and give us a foretaste of the final reconciliation. God is at work to create in us and others a spirit of community and to protect us from the impulses of the demonic divisiveness. God will not let us fall prey to such unclean spirits. Indeed, we have a taste of victory in the unity and community of the Eucharist, filling us with grace and confirming us in the hope. So we cry, Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. He is with us, and he is on the way. Amen.